So let's turn to uh, Acts 28. And uh, I want to start reading in, in verse uh, 17. Uh, and then we'll go to the end of the chapter. But uh, it says, it, it came to pass that after these days, Paul called the uh, chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people, that would be Israel, or her customs, of the fathers. Yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And so, and so we kind of see here that uh, Paul is, is being restricted on where he can uh, where he can go. Uh, I don't think this is maybe as bad as a prison that he had been in before, but I think it's uh, it's one in which a prisoner is uh, attached to him, and uh, he he uh, is not allowed or doesn't have freedom to just uh, go and do whatever he wants. Um, we do uh, see over in another place where people are allowed to come in and see him, and he can talk to him, he can witness to him, he can uh, tell him the, uh, the the new truth about the mysterion that he is uh, being revealed at a later time. So um, here, though, we can see that it's the Jews that are the ones that uh, that cast him into prison. Uh, they wanted to shut him up. And they thought the best way to do that is to uh, is to kill him. But since he was a Roman, he uh, he uh, asked to, to go before Caesar and to uh, have a hearing there, and hopefully uh, prevent uh, Israel from uh, from killing him. And so he's he's merely stating that he has really done nothing to deserve this, and uh, nothing against the Jews uh, at least that would be worthy of, of death and be worthy of a prison sentence. So he says in 18, who, when they had examined me, should have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I, w- I was constrained to appeal into Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you. He says, because that for, for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. So this book of Acts is a kind of a history book uh, talking about uh, Israel's main focus, uh, the Jews. We do know that some Gentiles get added later and it's to provoke Israel to get them to uh, accept Christ as their savior. And as their king, uh, and as their, their husband, he has uh, several roles there, and they uh, do not want him to uh, to have that power or authority over him. And Twenty-one says, and they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of, of the what thou thinkest, or as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. 
And when they had appointed him a day, there came into many to him to his lodging, in whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. I want you to, to notice in the context here, there's, this is nothing about the mystery or the, uh, the mystery of the one body or the church which is his body. But this is a, a broader area in the sense it's the kingdom of God, not just the kingdom of heaven. And so I, I, I think for that reason, uh, there, there's a little more to, uh, to, to be seen. And we also know that, uh, uh, it's not too long after this that the Roman, the, or the Jew, the nations, the Gentiles, get invited to, to uh, join in this kingdom of God. So he says, uh, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses, which we also know that's uh, not part of the um, body truth. The, the law of Moses is in the Old Testament. And then it also mentions they're out of the prophets, and the prophets were uh, in the Old Testament. Now, some of them were still uh, uh, alive during this time, but I, I think they're... Uh, the same uh, function that the prophets had in the Old Testament wasn't near near as great as it was in the Old Testament. But it, it also points to me that uh, this is not uh, body truth. It is not, uh, Paul's not, not been given that message yet. Therefore, he's not talked about it yet. And and if he, if he did, he certainly wouldn't use the law of Moses or the prophets to back up uh, what he believes about our truth, our hope, our calling. So he says in uh, verse 24, And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they had agreed not among themselves, they departed. And after that, Paul had spoken one word. And so here again, he's using a uh, an, an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah where he says, While spake the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, by Isaiah the prophet, and to our fathers, saying, Go you, go unto these people, and say, Hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, and not perceive. And I, I think the context warrants us to believe that who he's talking to is the Jews, the very Jews that accused him of, of wrongdoing. And uh, so he's he's speaking to them directly. Uh, when he says, go into this people, the word P, uh, letter P is capitalized, which I think means Israel. He says for, in verse 27, for the heart of this people is waxed uh, gross, and their their ears are dull of hearing. In other words, they've tuned Paul out, and they just don't comprehend or want to understand what he has to say. And that's how they're dull of hearing because they're not paying any attention. I think they hear, you know, uh, they just don't want to believe it, and so they they deny it. So it says, uh, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. So at this point in time, he's really not wanting them to uh, 
to read the truth. The Lord isn't. And, uh, and therefore, uh, it goes and says in 28, Be it known therefore unto you, that is the Jews, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it or hear him. I think, I think in my mind who he's uh, speaking to when he says, and they will hear it, he's speaking to uh, uh, the Gentiles. Uh, he says that, he's sent to the Gentiles. And I think if we, and we while we'll go to the book of John, we'll read a few verses in there that talk about this salvation that I think he's mentioning, uh, in, in 28. Uh, and I think it's a different salvation than than um, uh, our hope, our calling. So it says, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed. And, uh, and had great reasoning among themselves. So they, they got into a huge discussion about what in the world was Paul saying and what does it mean? And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house. So this this is why I said this prison here wasn't as bad as the prison that he had uh, earlier, about Acts 16, I think it is, where uh, it was a cold, dark dungeon, dungeon, and he was uh, caught singing in there and uh, rejoicing in the Lord. And some of the prisoners there got saved and some of the guards that were guarding him. But in this particular place, it would be, we would call it a, a rental property, uh, one that actually probably belonged to Rome. And uh, so he wasn't have to pay for it, but they had him living there to protect him and had guards uh, there to do that. And they also, as we said earlier, they allowed him to have people come in. But I don't think he's uh, received the mystery truth at this time. And I think he still has um, uh, the thought of uh, Israel being provoked into jealousy and turning, because I, I I think they believe the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is getting pretty close, and that things are um, uh, the circumstances that are there with the destruction of the temples and stuff uh, meant that this uh, present dispensation that they were in was was about to end. So it says in verse uh, 31, preaching the kingdom of God. And again, we said the kingdom of God was not the mysterion truth. Uh, we already proved and showed that it was uh, in the Old Testament, that what, the, what he was talking about. And that uh, we'll see also that Abraham and Abraham's seed is who he's uh, referring to. And it says in teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. And there was a lot of things about Christ that they, that uh, he wanted to reveal to them about who he who he was, who he what he was representing, who he was representing, and I think he wanted to enlighten them. So now let's turn over to uh, or turn back to the book of John. And we will uh, start out with uh, uh, chapter 1. Uh, re- I'll just read the first five verses there. Uh, I'm, I'm reading this uh, for context so that you can see where I got my um, my thinking that when he said, uh, 
that he's going to uh, turn to the Gentiles uh, and they will hear it. So this is what I think uh, was what he was talking about. I think the Gentiles, in our language now, we could say nations. Uh, in our dispensation now, there is no Israel. So we would all be considered uh, just part of the nations. So it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And by the way, the Gentiles, prior to this, uh, him saying this, really didn't have a hope or a calling that they could claim to be their own. The best they could do was become a proselyte and join the Jewish nation. But uh, this turning to the, the nations, turning to the Gentiles, was something new. Uh, not completely new, because I think before Abraham was called out, I think he was dealing with nations then, and not uh, dealing with just Israel. But I think and God's always had uh, a love for uh, those uh, believers, uh, God-fearers, uh, no matter what nation they came from. So he goes on to say, uh, uh, beginning with the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 2 says, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Uh, the Gentiles may not have known this, but it's something that they should know. It's just another attribute of God that he's a, and Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, that he's a creator. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, so again, if we take into, into view that this is a wider group of people he's speaking to, that what he's stating to them, they may never have heard before. And this is just a part of what he wants them to, to know and, and eventually to, um, to, to understand. We're going to go ahead and go down a couple more verses. It says in verse 6, uh, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And uh, it says the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now we, we see the religious leaders of that day try to uh, uh, you know, make uh, John out to be out uh, as as the Christ but he in fact denies that and he, he says he wasn't uh, he wasn't the light so he says in verse 9 that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world and by the way that still happens now I think every every human uh, receives or has light and life from the Lord whether they acknowledge it or not uh, that's the only source of it, and so he uh, he definitely has that uh, uh, ability to be able to reach uh, all. But he doesn't force himself on anybody, and those that want to reject him and not believe in him, it doesn't change him, but it certainly would change their life if they would believe and accept him as their, as their Savior. 
He says in 10, and he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. In verse 11 says, he came into his own, and some want to restrict this, his own, to just being Israel. But I think in the context of what we're reading here, it's more than just the Jews that he's trying to reach. He's trying to work, reach uh, all believers, whether they are Gentiles or whether they are, are Jewish. Uh, he, that's his uh, his love is for the um, for the believers in the world. Now he tells us not to love the world, but it but it, it's it's because it's the ways of the world, not necessarily the people in it. That he's, that's what he's referring to when he says, love not the world. He goes on in, in 12 and says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the, and it says sons, but children would be a better, a better reference there of who uh, these people, uh, these Gentiles would be. They don't have the sonship adoption that you and I have, but they certainly have a, they're a child. And and as that, they have some power and they will receive a resurrection to whatever the Lord is going to send them, whether it's going to be the new earth or whether they would uh, be involved in, in uh, Israel or the kingdom of heaven. These, uh, these uh, things God knows from the beginning, but he doesn't necessarily reveal them uh, at, at this time. He says, uh, he says, um, uh, sons of God or children of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, the, so these uh, people are, don't have a pedigree like the Israelites have, but they knew who their fathers were, and they, they had an inheritance uh, you know, from, from the time they were born because of which tribe they belonged to. So these people didn't, uh, and they had they have nothing to uh, hold on to or to claim. He says, and the word was made flesh, and it and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, God Himself, uh, God the Father, is, is invisible. And the only way we can know uh, Christ, uh, know anything about Christ and the Father, is what Christ reveals about the Father. And uh, that that's his role, and that's what he does, but attributes when it comes to the power that, they, that Christ has. Uh, the Father has given him power to be able to perform miracles and, and do things of that nature. Uh, this John here that he's talking about in 15 is John the Baptist and not John the Beloved. But he says, John bear a witness of him and cried saying, uh, this was he of whom I spake. And I was, they were trying to make John the Beloved, uh, out to be the Savior. And he, of course, he wasn't qualified and he never claimed to be. He says, um, he was whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, or he was before me, or he existed, you know, before, before John, before, uh, uh, John the Baptist did. 
Then it switches uh, uh, again, where we think in 16, where it says, And of his fullness have all we received uh, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So I think that's important when we think about what was given to them after uh, in Acts 28.28 where they said that uh, that the salvation was going to go to the Gentiles and they would hear it. Well, this is important that they hear this, uh, this truth about grace and truth came. So it didn't come by the law of Moses, but rather it came by, by grace. And I want to go over to John 3.16, which, which I'd have to say this group, probably all of us, have got this verse memorized. But it is, uh, it is important for the context that we see that he's talking about the world. So when, so when I think he's uh, talking about John, the book of John, that it was written more to the world than just to Israel. Not that, you know, not that Israel was left out. They certainly were, were included, but, but the, uh, the salvation that we're talking about has to do more with, with, uh, uh, a broader, a broader group, a Jew and Gentile. So he says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In plain words, they're not going to die and, and go into the grave and be gone, but rather they're going to have a hope of resurrection. And uh, wherever the Lord wants to uh, wants to send them, uh, that's the uh, that's the salvation that they are going to have. It says, "For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him." might be saved. So that's the salvation that they're talking about here. One of salvation from death unto life and from no resurrection to a hope of resurrection. He says, He that believeth on him is not condemned or judged, but he that believeth not is condemned already. That's the condemnation that wages us in his death. So that that stands on non-believers. Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he didn't, they don't believe the record of the Son. Therefore, they're going to die. They don't want to see God. They don't want to worship Him. And they won't have to. So, going on in verse 19, it says, And this is the, con- the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved dark rather than light, because their deeds were evil. This, again, I think can be said of the whole world, not just Israel, that they uh, they rejected. I thought to think that the Jews were always in a privileged position, but it didn't mean that they had these promises uh, or these, this hope without believing. They had to, uh, they had to, to acknowledge who Christ was and that he was the Savior. But but we see the salvation here is certainly not body truth, but rather it's this uh, hope of resurrection. 
So he says in 20, For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth commits to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. So that's as far as I wanted to read there, but I think this gives you a pretty good idea of the salvation that they um, that was being revealed uh, to these people. Let's turn to chapter 4. I'm just going to be looking at some words. Salvation now. In chapter 4 and verse 22. Chapter 4.22. It says, You worship, you know not what. He says, um, to know what we worship, but we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. For the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worship shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh, seeketh those to worship him. So, so this, what we get in the book of John here, we get away from this idea they have to go to a temple or a synagogue to worship, but rather they can worship anywhere. Because it says in, in 24, God is, a, is, said, we ought to leave the word A out, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So this is another change here that, that happens that John is talking about. Uh, and it's, it's different than what Israel had before. And it is something new that the Gentiles now can worship in spirit and truth without going or becoming a proselyte. And they can, uh, they can have salvation, uh, the same as the Jews on the same level. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Turn back to the book of Acts. And we're going to see the, the word salvation here in this verse. Where he says, uh, neither, well let me do, uh, 11. This, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. In other words, the, the temples are going to be destroyed. And when they build a new church, it's going to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And like we said earlier, worshiping in spirit and in truth. So the worship will change, the type of worship will change. And they'll be honoring. They'll either believe this message and honor the Lord, or they'll reject it and just go about doing whatever it is they want to do. Um, but he, but he did say in 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So, so it was important, uh, you know, that Christ was a Jew. So in that sense, they're still going to be, uh, worshiping Christ, but, but it's in a different uh, manner or different way since it's in the spirit. Now let's go to uh, 13.26, Acts 13.26. 
What I want you to do from now on, every time you see the word salvation, I want you to ask that question. What are you being saved from? And what are you being saved to? Because each context may be different. And, it, and, and if, the, if it is, it gives you a better idea of what salvation they're talking about. So it's a, it's a word that encompasses a lot of different ideas. And it's not a simple word. And it's not the same truth every single time that's being revealed. So he says in Acts 13.26, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham. Well, that's not the nations there. That's those that are Jews. He says, and whosoever among you feareth God. Now, that's the, the Gentiles. Whenever he uses that term, God fears, those are almost always the Gentiles. Uh, they could be a Jew, but most of the time that's who he's thinking about. He says, is the word of this salvation sent? So the, so, so the message is being sent to the, like we said earlier, it's by grace, and and that it is uh, on an equal basis. That the Jews uh, don't have the same priority, and you don't have to be a proselyte to worship God. Now you can worship God in spirit and in truth. And then the next one, going down to verse forty-seven. It says, "For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying." I have set, set thee, that is Paul, it's, in this case it's Paul and Barnabas, but it's, it's namely uh, Paul uh, receiving the, the message. I think he shares it, you know, with the, the others so that they will be able to spread, spread the word quicker. But the actual information is coming to Paul. He says for, uh, so, uh, let me go back to 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing that you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee, set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, and that thou shouldest be thy salvation, and to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to be to eternal life believed. So that pretty well tells you what the salvation there is, and uh, that just like he said back there in Acts, and they will hear it. And so he he kind of distinguishes a little bit about because not every Gentile is going to hear it, but the ones that were going to believe, they were going to have everlasting life. So um, chapter sixteen, sixteen, and verse seventeen. Sixteen seventeen states, The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us, show unto us, the way of salvation. And, and so, uh, again, asking yourself, what salvation is it referring to? I, th- I think it has to be... Uh, 
the the one that he talked about grace and truth that's that's what this uh, book is about so uh, we do we do believe that there uh, were some uh, Jews still alive at this time and they we believe they would have kept their hope, their hope they would have had to worship in a different way because of the temples being destroyed but uh, it was still uh, uh, their hope and the difference is the Gentiles would have a part in that without having to, to worship in the same fashion. So now let's go to the book of Romans. Romans one sixteen. And it states, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, you know, some have stated that if it's a if it's a gospel, then it's always good news. Well, I think it's good news for the believers. I'm not sure it's always good news to the non-believers. I think that's part of why they they hate they hate believers is because the the, the message, the gospel message, is is really uh, is available to all, but not all accept it. Therefore, if you don't accept it, you don't receive the blessings that come from it. So your salvation is different if you don't believe the truth. So he goes on to say, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the, the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Then uh, we wanted to go to 10.10, Romans 10.10. It seems like it's a little bit of work to, you know, to, to determine this, but I think by reading a little bit of the context, we get a really good idea of, of the salvation that's in view. And he says in verse 10, Romans 10.10, 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So at this point in time, it was necessary that they not only believed in their heart, but they also testified or made a confession and if obviously if they wouldn't make the confession, then they really didn't believe, or at least they didn't believe enough to make a, a confession. And, and the confession itself brought about some repentance. Well, repentance has to do with having a change of heart. So this believing and accepting and acknowledging was going to change their lifestyle. How they believed, how they lived, how they thought, how they acted. And so it's it's a... Uh, Something that uh, a lot of uh, people would uh, count the cost and say, no, that. But the, the, word, the word needed to be given what they, what they believed, and they needed to confess to it. And that may, some of it may have cost them a lie. I, I, I know that that's, uh, that is the case sometimes. Uh, the Lord is you know, more concerned about the, the future than he is just the, uh, although he does care about our daily life. 
But when it comes to his uh, overall concern, he's really concerned about our future and about our resurrection. And uh, so when he, when someone's life, if they're testifying for the Lord, confessing to the Lord, and they die as a direct result of that, I think the Lord uh, rewards that. He calls them uh, martyrs. And I think he rewards that uh, for them being willing to uh, to even to uh, lose their life in this present world to uh, stand up for him. Now let's go to Romans 11.11. And it says, uh, I say then, have they stumbled, that is Israel, that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. And it gives you the reason why. For to provoke them to jealousy. So he was never really wanting to set Israel aside. He was really wanting to bless them and be accepted of them. But they just refused. So he had another plan, another thing he wanted to try to to get them to have a change of heart. So he says in verse 12, Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, and I magnify my office. So this, you know, again, going back to what we read there in Acts, this is what his focus is upon, that they should uh, uh, believe and in, in, in acknowledge uh, uh, him. The, the next one is in uh, Romans 13.11. Romans 13.11. And it states... And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. So there, he's saying, Paul's saying, it's getting close to the time of my, um, the end of this part of my ministry. And I, and I'm aware of it. And so I'm, I'm letting you know now that uh, you need to do, do that repenting and that confessing uh, because the time is short. I, unfortunately, made more notes and had more verses than time. And, I, and what I think I'll do, because i got so many things left here, I think I'll go ahead and just continue this the next time we, the next time we meet. I'll be starting in... Uh, in Second Corinthians chapter one and verse six, where it talks about uh, uh, the salvation that he's referring to, there'll be some power that will be gained. That back in uh, Corinthians they were able to do some healing, but as a result they also to balance that out and keep them humble. I think there was going to be some suffering involved. So I think uh, that's uh, another thing about. Uh, salvation, you know, just living it day by day, uh, that sometimes uh, it's not as, uh, as some of these ministers claim that this life should just be uh, uh, easy and uh, the Lord ought to take all the stumbling blocks out of the way. But that's not the way he works. Uh, we we do uh, 
have testing. It's not more than we can bear. The Lord assures that He'll give us the uh, the power to be able to 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 handle it, but that it is uh, uh, part part and partial, just like the Lord. Uh, he had a uh, a life where He did some suffering, uh, much more than what we could endure and what we could bear, but it was to glorify the Lord glorify the Father. So whenever we have these times where we're being tested, and we seem to be living in those those days right now with this COVID thing, but it, it has the idea that it can make us turn to Him, which is really ultimately what He wants us to do. So hopefully you've learned something new about the world, or at least had a different thought about it, so that it doesn't, doesn't always mean John 3.16, whenever we read it or see it, but that it can ha- it can have a deeper meaning depending on the context, and uh, we know that that Christ is the Savior, but what He's saving us from and what He's saving us to needs to be looked at and and considered. So let's uh, pray and then we'll pray and uh, then we'll close and uh, open the room up if anybody wants to uh, say or discuss anything. Our Heavenly God and Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your Word. We thank you, Lord, for what it means to us. We thank you, Lord, for the understanding and enlightenment that you continue to give us as we search your word. We do believe that if a person is serious and wants to know the truth, you will reveal it to them. If they truly are a believer and if they're truly wanting to know the truth from you. So we thank you, Lord, for that promise. We thank you, Lord, that uh, that you are continuing to enlighten us and help us and guide us and protect us and keep us. And we ask all these things in our Savior's name, the Lord Christ Jesus, and we ask it for his sake. Amen.